Welcome back to the Cloth Diaper Podcast. This is show 74. Today we are joined with Salem Cloth Project to talk about uh, this cloth diaper bank in Oregon. This is part of my series interviewing different diaper banks around the country about how they operate and how maybe you could be inspired to open your own cloth diaper bank or volunteer and support with one in your backyard. The Cloth Diaper Podcast is a somewhat regular show dedicated to sharing stories about cloth diapering from parents around the world. My name is Bailey. I host the Cloth Diaper Podcast for the last three years. I am the author of The Ultimate Guide to Textiles, Washing, and More. And today's episode is part of a series that I did for the Flats and Ham Washing Series Challenge. These recordings were shared over in the Flats group as videos back in May, and I am now taking the time to upload them as a podcast. Podcast. This is a conversation with the Cloth Project, which is based out of Oregon. And we've also chatted with Jake's Diapers, Megan from Milwaukee, and I have, I think, Katie, hopefully for the cloth option in September, as well as a few other contacts that I can't wait to share and connect with you. Today's episode of the Cloth Diaper Podcast is sponsored by Banyan Babes Clothing. Even though we love cloth diaper bottoms, sometimes we need to cover them up. Banyan Babes Clothing created thrifted wardrobes for babies based on parent specifications. With fully recyclable shipping materials and worldwide carbon neutral shipping, you can feel good about supporting this mom-run business. Visit BanyanBabesClothing.com. That's B-A-N-Y-A-N-B-A-B-E-S Clothing.com to learn more and shop their current collection of thrifted wardrobe items just for you. Tell me about Salem Cloth. Salem Cloth is, what is it? Yeah, that's a really good question. What are we? It is it is changing all the time. Um, but essentially, we are a cloth diaper bank. Um, like at its core, our main goal is to get cloth diapers out to the community. Um, but we just kind of have a different setup. So we, um, in order to fund purchasing cloth diapers and getting them out to the community, we sell, we hand make products and we sell them on our website. So we sell reusable products uh, to then kind of help people in their homes reduce waste Mm -hmm. and then use those proceeds to purchase diapers and then distribute them to those in need and others, uh, throughout our, our city. So it's more of, uh, like I had written down this word, I had written down a word a couple of times, like a social responsible, social responsible, a business more than a nonprofit in some way. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Mm. There's, yeah, like a socially responsible, there's a, like, it's called a B Corp here. Like that's kind of like the model that we aim for, but we are technically a nonprofit. So we are a registered nonprofit, Um, but we just kind of have a different model where we're actually selling things to help supply our income, you know, having an income in that way. Um, But everything that comes in, you know, we're a volunteer run organization. So all the money that comes from our products that all goes to our, our diaper program. Um, and then we also have, uh, you know, grants and donations that come through from the community as well. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense actually, yeah. because there is, uh, big brothers, big sisters is local to me and they <laughs> run daycares as their revenue stream. Yeah. So it's like the same idea that you have, but you have a shop that runs your main revenue stream. Mm-hmm. So you have just, 
it feels something different, but it's actually not now that I'm chatting with you. Yeah. Yeah. So it is, I mean, it's, (laughs) it's confusing to a lot of people because it's not your standard nonprofit that you think of that like a lot of people are like, Oh, nonprofits can't make money. And they (laughs) technically can like hospitals are a great example of like, they make billions of dollars a year Mm -hmm. and they're still considered a nonprofit. So, uh, but yes, so it's that we are a nonprofit and um, we just, uh, that's kind of another way that we thought to help kind of supply an income to ourselves so that we're not always having to look for, Uh, you know, grant funding. One of my, uh, my real life career path is in public relations. And so something I do sometimes is, uh, been strategy planning. And that's Mm -hmm. always been a challenge for nonprofits is getting that revenue stream, which was never something I really considered. Mm -hmm. Um, but for people who are thinking about, you do have to think about like, because everything costs money. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. And there are a couple of nonprofits here in Salem that, uh, they run on this model. And so that's, I think that's kind of where I got mm. the idea. Okay. Um, we have a coffee shop locally. That's, it's really awesome. They are a coffee shop, but then they also, um, uh, they employ, um, teens that have barriers to employment and they kind of give them leadership skills. And, and so like, that's a nonprofit with a coffee shop. Mm-hmm. And then we have another one, um, that's a like a woodworking shop and they employ refugees and they provide them like classes and help them kind of develop, I guess, a, you know, I don't know, a resume for when mm-hmm. they come um, to Oregon and then they kind of go out in the world afterwards. So that's also kind of the same concept as <sighs> this is um, actually now I'm like, feel like I have a thousand other questions rolling through my brain (laughs) because it's such a cool idea. And uh, I chatted with a mom who in Canada the other day, just like on the phone and she was from the UK and they have different levels of nonprofits there as well. And some of them were based in like this kind of businessy side of world. And Mm -hmm. she was just kind of struggling to figure out how they blend, but this is how they blend is you can do, you can go out and be like, I'm going to do this. And the intention is something else. Mm -hmm. Um, So where, what's your background? Who are you? Where did you get into this? Yeah. So Kaylee, that's me, the person (laughs) behind the scenes (laughs) of Salem Cloth Project. I have a lot of people on like social media that they like reach out to me and like, we've maybe had a conversation for a little while and they're like, oh wait, what's your name? Yeah. Like my name is nowhere. So it's just kind of this like amorphous thing. But yeah, I'm Kaylee. Um, Welcome to the um, internet. And yeah, so I, uh, my background is in environmental education. Okay. I went to school for environmental services and my plan was to work in water quality and, uh, and then just got really interested in education. And so then I got my master's degree in education um, and policy, kind of learning about how the education system works and best ways to uh, kind of to teach people. Mm-hmm. And so now I currently, um, I work full-time, um, and I work in water quality and I do, uh, education and outreach to the community. Oh, cool. Uh, so <laughs> full-time, yeah, my full-time job is doing water quality education, talking about stormwater and how stormwater impacts our water quality here. And, um, so that's kind of like the, the baseline of kind of 
how I got kind of into the yeah. diaper world is just kind of through the touch points of kind of learning about environmental impacts. That is so cool. As I have done um, hydro education, uh, community outreach, like mm-hmm. on the ground teams mm-hmm. chatting with the community. Uh, I love it and I miss it so much. So that is so cool. That's what you do. I'm just yeah. like super jealous of uh, your career path. And so this is like Salem Cloth Project is off the side of your desk then? It is. It's, you're like yeah. the extra thing that you do on top of yeah. everything else. On top of everything else. It is, it is a real challenge, but you know, having a full-time job, having two kids and, you know, trying to squeeze in, you know, like social stuff, but, and I will say that, yeah, I mean, like, luckily the pandemic, not luckily, but like the (laughs) pandemic has allowed me to slow down and focus on Mm -hmm. other things. So I'm, I am less scattered trying to do everything and I'm able to kind of be home and re reprioritize in a lot of ways. So that has been has been very helpful. But I think yeah, I've, it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. It's like a <laughs> lot of different things flying at you. And I think I've kind of picked up on your social feed that you have a lot of collaborative projects in your shop. Is that yeah. kind of how you kind of reduce that burden? Um, what does your shop look like in terms of, is it all you making and creating or? Yeah, yeah. So yes and no that it is helpful. But yeah, we, my, I just love community. Like I, I rely on community. I feel like it is just the way forward in collaborating versus competing with each other. And, um, and I just love to be able to kind of like uplift others in the community. Like I don't have like a big platform, but I still like really enjoy being able to, to bring other people in to the, you know, to the community that we have developed and to kind of share their work as well. So uh, for our shop, I I am handmaking a lot of the, the products. So like we do some of the basic stuff, like reusable paper towels, we call those paperless towels, um, the snack bags, reusable bags, things like that. Those are all things that we're making here. Uh, but then we also have um, like soaps and um, some like, reusable, uh, sponges and things like that, that we are purchasing wholesale from others. And we have very intentionally selected those businesses that we are supporting. So, uh, mainly focusing on like LGBTQ minority, um, run businesses and those that just really have a, a strong, um, kind of business model behind them. So we've been very selective of who we're, we're partnering with, but just finding ways to connect with those locally to just share kind of the sustainability portions that are happening um, all kind of all around us. That's so cool. That's so yeah. cool. And fun. Uh, <laughs> and fun. Yeah. I just like, uh, as I've looked into like owning a refillery a couple of years ago, and then I had a couple of foot surgeries and I abandoned it. But um, yeah, just like so many incredible people doing incredible work with incredible business missions out there. It's just, it's so cool to be able to connect with them and find them. And then like for you to bring them into your shop. Uh, So you, but you have, so you have a master's in public education Mm -hmm. and now you're kind of operating this nonprofit business Mm -hmm. thing, (laughs) supporting diaper need. What kind of resources have you used to kind of learn and grow from this? Um, Have you tapped into anything, any recommendations you'd have for people or avenues? Yeah. I mean, I will be completely honest that I have not done things like quote unquote, quote, 
pop like properly. Okay. <laughs> I well, just, those I, are life learned lessons. In. Yeah. <laughs> I jumped in with two feet and I didn't do like, I probably didn't do as much research as I should have. So, um, I guess learn from me a little bit in that, but it's also to me, I could have sat around and waited and waited and waited until I had everything perfect and I knew everything. Uh, but then in that, that time, I wouldn't have been able to help people. So I guess first thing is I don't have much figured out. <laughs> so <laughs> That's why it's been so key to have community partners and mm-hmm. have other people around me to kind of help with that. Um, but I have recently kind of communicated with other diaper banks throughout the U S. So, um, like the Milwaukee diaper mission and Jake's, uh, diaper bank at the Ozarks and then like PDX diaper bank here in Portland. Uh, so being able to communicate with them and having them be so open to sharing about how they do things has been amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, so that I can, can learn from them, but I can, you know, And I also have to give myself a little bit of credit too, because there are things that I'm able to kind of (laughs) share as well. Cause I started like so (laughs) non-traditionally. Well, it's always great to understand. Like I am somebody who jumps into things without thinking about it. So sometimes it's reassuring that that's an okay way to do things Yeah, because so much of what looks appears on the internet looks so polished and professional and it can feel like somebody's walked through all the steps before they did but it was a messy six months and now they kind of look put together but they're still figuring it out is kind of a reassuring message I think for a lot of absolutely and I I try yeah and I try really hard to like be open and transparent about that because that was kind of the thing at the beginning that stopped me from doing a lot of stuff because I was like, Oh, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't have enough information. I don't have enough resources. So I'm not going to do it until I have that. And so that really impacted my confidence and my like ability to, to do that. And I hear that a lot from women specifically that they kind of have an idea or they want to do something and they just kind of stall because they just don't feel like they can accomplish it. And so for me, like it is messy it is unorganized at times, but, uh, it's possible. And so I, I get that a lot where people are like, Oh, that's, you know, you just, you've got everything going on. I'm like, no, if you can see what's going on really, yeah. like, it's, it's uh, I, I once went to a conference where they, and this fact always resonates with me. Like women won't apply for a job unless they meet 80 or 90% of the qualifications, Absolutely. but men will, if they meet 40% and just like trying to remember that every day that like, I am like more qualified than I think I am. That imposter syndrome is for real. Um, oh, and yeah. I chatted with Megan last week and she, all of you guys, like all of the cloth diaper banks, you guys, everybody has such a different approach to it. And it's, mm-hmm. it's so wonderful learning that people are doing it different ways because it's just, that's the, it doesn't have to be yeah, a model. Not that anybody can yeah. see my, my image. <laughs> be one specific type there isn't one model for supporting diaper need uh in the united states and providing diapers absolutely absolutely and i think as long as you have that driving you know whether it's diaper need or if it's another you know need that needs to be met whether you you know as long as you've got that that end goal of what you want to accomplish i think like there are just so many ways to do it we have a local um local group called free fridge salem they're a mutual aid group. They're not a nonprofit. They will never be a nonprofit, but they 
just rely on community and mutual aid. And it is a beautiful thing to watch that unfold. And it's something that I would have never done because I'm like, oh, it doesn't fit into that neat little box. Like, you know, you're, you're not like, you don't have official volunteers and all of these things, but to see them be so successful at doing something in a non-traditional way. It's like, oh, okay. That opens so many doors <laughs> that we can just, we can do things yeah, and we can, we can have a really positive impact. So that's been <laughs> fun. Um, you so much from Oregon, all of your examples, <laughs> they, they feel so West coast. Just resonates so much. Um, yeah, it's a, quite a, a slightly hilarious. So what does diaper need look like in Salem? What's your impact kind of been and how are you serving your community? I guess would be my, yeah. Um, I think it's just been really interesting because we started, I guess I'll start with this story. So the story that this is like our origin story is that when, when, um, we started, I had just had my first, first baby. Our daughter was like three months old when I went back to work. And so I was, um, working in it for an environmental company. And I was looking at all this data to show, uh, to just like, look at, um, how much waste is actually being produced in, um, in our County. And I, was looking through all of this data and I was amazed to find that the top 10 items by weight that were thrown away every year were things like construction, demolition debris, there were food waste, really heavy, heavy items. Number six was disposable diapers. And I was just like, holy cow, like 10,000 tons of disposable diapers are being thrown away every year in our county alone. And so I just was thinking about that and I was like, oh my God, that's insane. Like that's a lot of diapers. <laughs> yeah. I can't and even, um, I can't even visualize what 10,000 tons looks like. I, I can't either. So I, like, I, I literally wish that we could come. I mean, I don't, but I do. I want to see all these disposable diapers and a huge pile. But, um, at the same time that I found that information, I, uh, on our buy nothing group on Facebook, someone actually two people had asked saying that they need uh, food to get them through the month. So they're on food stamps and their food stamps don't, um, they need their money won't come back in until the next month. And so they were asking for food and diapers. So that information, I just found that that data. And then these two folks were asking for diapers and food. And in my mind, I was like, oh my God, what if we could get these families cloth diapers? Mm -hmm. If they, you know, if they felt comfortable and confident using cloth diapers, then they could take the money that they would be spending on disposable diapers, putting it towards food or putting it towards something, you know, something else, but they wouldn't be stuck in this position of having to ask for, for diapers necessarily every month, you know, as, as, you know, things are occurring. So diaper need in our community really looks like that. It looks like families who struggle, um, to provide food, to, to, to purchase food on a regular basis. They're having to decide between if they're going to purchase diapers or if they're going to be, you know, purchasing food and what, you know, what type of food does that look like? So it's just, uh, I mean, that is when we, that's when we started, that's what it looked like. Now it's even more compounded given the pandemic and kind of the economic situations that so many families are in. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's much more than diapers. It's, it's about like, you know, giving families the peace of mind 
to be able to afford some of the things to kind of reallocate how they're spending. Um, but for our community, a lot of families are really kind of in that, that position where, uh, diapers are not supplemented. That's not part of any sort of, uh, program and in Salem specifically, and in greater Marion County, the County that we're located in, there are no disposable diaper banks. We don't have, we really, we have some nonprofits that provide to their families, but we don't really have diaper banks to give those to people. So there's, there's a pretty big gap. Um, in, yeah. in kind of the service need. And that's kind of been this uh, compounding story across mm-hmm. the United States, unfortunately, mm-hmm. that I've been hearing. Um, a lack of resources and then that kind of struggle with the food stamps and making it work. And mm-hmm. and we just saw disposable diaper prices increase almost yep. 25% in a year. So mm-hmm. that's terrifying as well as we, yeah. Uh, the solemnness of it really, I, every time it kind of, uh, it kind of stings the poverty rates and everything. So today you are providing cloth diapers in the County of Salem to an estimated number of families. Yeah. So since January, this for this year, we have distributed, um, over to over 50 families directly. And then we're also starting to, um, to reach through other organizations. So we've Mm -hmm. started with a model of direct service. So people will apply through our website and then we kind of coordinate with them directly. And now we're trying to expand to, to actually go to other organizations and other nonprofits that are serving families, so that we don't have duplicate services mm-hmm. so that they're not having to go to, you know, to their yeah. nonprofit and then come to us. So um, we've started expanding that model as well. And so we're able to almost double the amount of people that we're reaching awesome. uh, monthly by, by providing those services. And so you talked about um, the one word that I heard you use when you first started telling your origin story was if parents felt confident cloth diapering how do you how do you embrace that into your diaper need model how do you support parents in feeling confident that's one of um, the biggest things i think uh, the recent article from pampers the other day was that 50 (laughs) percent of parents try cloth and abandon and it's just like okay so what's happening so yeah give us some insight about how you're supporting your community and feeling confident yeah so like I said, I just, i really value community. So mm-hmm. a part of what we've created is not only giving diapers out and just saying, good luck. Um, <laughs> yes, that's, that's like, you can't do that. So what are people doing? What's that next step? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So part of our model is that we're providing, um, we're providing training to families. Um, we provide online training. We're doing zoom trainings every month. We're also doing zoom trainings for Uh, other families, just like the general population who are not necessarily receiving diapers. So we're trying to also increase the, the amount of like knowledge about cloth diapering just generally out in the world. Oh, interesting. Um, So like almost just like general webinars about diapers that might necessarily be like the nitty gritties, but like, Hey, this is a product that exists on the market. Yeah. So we do just a really high level basic training for anyone who's interested in like learning about cloth diapers. So we'll just like kind of show the different styles. Like this is an all in one, this is a pocket and just kind of give those general overview. Um, And it's been great because people can ask questions. And I think the like the first first pillar when we're talking about providing confidence to families is like 
taking away some of the myths, like recorrecting some of the myths around cloth diapers, because I think there's, there's a certain amount of people who are, who have preconceived ideas of what a cloth diaper is. They either think that it's like pins and and Mm -hmm. flats, the old school style, which some can be, but they, (laughs) they have this kind of like this older idea of what a cloth diaper is. But they've also like picked up on some things that it's it's gross or it's you know it smells or uh, yeah. it's going to prevent my kid from, 50 from years walking. Of, Fifty years of disposable diaper marketing. Yeah, exactly. So there's a lot of preconceived notions. So I think the first thing is kind of busting those myths and and talking honestly about the experience. But it's then also kind of giving giving families the information directly to like say, Hey, we're going to build a community here. This, you know, I want you to get to know me. I want you to get to know us. You can, you know, hopefully you can trust us in asking your questions and then giving them the, like the basic information to say, like, this is what a cloth diaper is. This is how you can use it. This is how you can wash it. But then also giving them the freedom to adjust as it's needed. Cause I know when I first got started, I didn't have anyone to turn to. I was just on YouTube watching YouTube videos of like cloth diapers. And there was a lot of like conflicting information that was shared saying that like, yes, never use this detergent, <laughs> you know, never wash it in this way. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to do it wrong. It's like in a such a, such a struggle that the creators have right now in 2020. Mm-hmm. And the other one being is that so much information has changed in 10 years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot, like, I think people can do their own research and maybe some people prefer to do that. But for me, like I was always missing the the conversation. Like Mm -hmm. I was watching YouTube videos, but I never, I never got a response when I asked my question. (laughs) As a a content creator who is turned off for comments because she doesn't want to deal with it. (laughs) But like, honestly, the, the thing that we try and provide is a community where Mm -hmm. they can ask us questions, but they're also connected to other families and other parents who Mm -hmm. are going through cloth diapering because my experience may not be the same, may not be helpful. So being able to connect them to other families in the area that are going through this, that they can, you know, feel comfortable asking those questions has been kind of a, it's been a component that's really important for us. And your um, uh, hyper-local experience is incredibly valuable. I mm-hmm. have, um, there's a local area in my region um, that has incredibly hard, challenging water. Mm-hmm. And so being able to connect that mom with other moms in her area, instead of a mom in Oregon, like your information for her is not help. My information mm-hmm. in town is not helpful. Yeah, She lives just, she needs to so hyper local is um hey this is what's going on your water really sucks and these are yeah. six things i've done to kind of she even challenged with her regular clothes so of course mm-hmm. um you're gonna have those challenges i am just like okay so i've had a lot of thoughts because you're now like multiple com- i'm multiple phone calls in with different diaper banks and different people <laughs> doing incredible things and i'm thinking that like my library does specialist appointment like they feature people who are specialists every mm-hmm. week they have a different talk like you know the person who does a presentation on butterflies and the person mm-hmm. who does a presentation on how to can goods and it's like well why yeah I always feel like I couldn't do that who would be interested in cloth diapering but everybody would be interested and your grandma down the road she'll tell her 
yeah. niece who may one day pick it up. And it's like, yeah, it's sometimes those touch points. I am just thinking I need to reevaluate touch points. That's all. Yeah. And I think yeah. one of the things that I've been exploring too is how do I, how do I connect with other people in the community to then, to then be that touch point? Because I, like I, as a white female do not have the same experiences and I would not feel comfortable going into like a Latino family to say, Hey, here's how you cloth diaper, check it out. Like I, that's not something I feel comfortable doing. I want to absolutely promote to that community, but I also want to be like culturally sensitive. So how can I, how can I connect with another touch point who can then be the leader in that community to then have that conversation in a, in a more culturally appropriate way Mm -hmm. uh, to meet the needs of those families Um, and so that's something that I've been trying to like grapple with and figure out how to, to also do that and just kind of my, like one of my big, one of my big goals is I want to find an indigenous leader in the cloth paper Mm -hmm. community Mm -hmm. and I haven't found it yet. And just to be able to somehow find a way to empower somebody else to be that leader within their community, which I think is why this, a big theme for me this year has been this return to grassroots, but Mm -hmm. we still see a lot of dominance within just it being white females. So how do we, Mm -hmm. how do we break out of that and Mm -hmm. uh, encourage other leadership within other communities? Yeah, absolutely. And I had a conversation with um, someone from, uh, the Latinx community. And they were saying that like, um, her grandma constantly is saying, like, was talking about using cloth diapers because it's like, why would you purchase, you know, something over and over again, just use this. Or she was yeah, yeah. specifically talking about using a, like a sling, what I would call like a sling or baby carrier, but she actually had like, um, a, a, a less, yeah, formal word for that. Um, and she was saying that that was like, what you kind of used if you were like going out and gardening, like that was just the way to keep, keep your child close. And she was talking about this, like swing in generations where it's like her grandma was telling her to do this. The next generation was like, no, I'm not going to do that. And then this, the, the generation now is returning back to that. And it's now, it's now become popular, but it's not in the same language you know, in the colloquial language that it was with her grandma. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like, we're at the point where the generation is kind of returning to those, um, the, those other styles and recognizing that that is, that was a good way to do it. <laughs> uh, so finding people that have those stories to be able to kind of co- talk to it in that context, I feel like is, would be really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just a reminder that there is so much work to be done and to be cognizant of the work that we're doing and making sure we leave space, Mm -hmm. a lot of space to encourage. And from what I hear from a lot of uh, leaders in the cloth diaper community in whatever role they play is that they are open and, and willing. And that's probably the most important thing is that a lot of us are saying, like, reach out. How can I help you? Like, I want to help you. I don't want I don't, I don't want to do it. I want you to feel empowered to do it yourself. So I think anybody listening or watching, like you can feel free to reach out. But a lot of times, oh, I'm just like, there's so many other, 
I know when I look at the indigenous community in my area, there's so many other layers of trauma and reconciliation mm-hmm. and we are working through so much of it that uh, there's a lot of space that needs to be. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think within like cloth diaper sphere specifically, recognizing your privilege and where you are and kind of changing the narrative to like, from let me help you to like, you already have the information. Let Mm. me, let me just give you the platform and like, (laughs) talk about it. And I think that at least in what I've seen, I just see a lot of people that look like me and there's just, when I was starting cloth diapering, it was this kind of like upper echelon style. <laughs> like we just want all the diapers and we want the fanciest like styles. And so it's become kind of this culture in, in some ways of just like a oh, yeah. fashion accessory. Um, and so kind of just like pulling in those different stories of that, like, how are you using them? How would, you know, like, just bringing in those different stories and, and having representation, I think is so critical. I feel you on that, especially I feel like we've, we've probably entered cloth diapering at similar stages. And I'm, I'm glad to see that there is a little bit of a shift happening and we are seeing changes and just to continue to run with that and make sure that we're following those paths. And mm-hmm. um, what was my other thought? I was going to... I lost it. Oh, you had said, you had said, um, you already know what you like. They do like people know, the community knows, you know, how to wash clothes, you know, how to put on a diaper. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, you're a lot of times people are overthinking it. And once we can, we can break down and we can talk about these things, but, uh, I, that's one thing I feel really passionate about is that people know how to problem solve. That's all you got to do to cloth diaper and feel good about doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, oh man, Kaylee, so many great, so many great thoughts today on this diaper need. And you're coming at this from, you've got kind of a more sustainable revenue source to support you and support just that awareness of reusables too. That's probably mm-hmm. been a big help for you in your community. Hey. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think, I mean, we just have so many different like <laughs> goals that we're trying to reach. Like we're trying to reduce waste. We're trying to you know promote equity. And I think that's like, that's a reflection of my personality that like, I'm like everywhere, let's do all the things. <laughs> um, but it's been a really great way to connect with that community because, you know, that community obviously cares about their impact on mm-hmm. the world. Um, and they also feel really positive about what the work that we're trying to do. So it really kind of amplifies the impact that we're able to have. Yeah. So if people happen to be listening and they're in your region and area, how can Mm -hmm. they support you? What kind of help do you need as an organization? What do you look for most when people say, how can I help Salem Cloth Project? Yeah, man, I, I have so many ways that they could help. The the unfortunate (laughs) part right now is that I am not in a space where I can effectively like dole out duties. That's the story of my life. (laughs) I don't, I have so much, but I don't know how to, Yes, I don't know how to, um, how do I give this to you? Take my brain for the day and then just go for it. (laughs) Like that's, that's the struggle that I'm at right now. And I like, it's a, it's a wonderful compliment to have so many people come and say they want to help and volunteer. And I just feel terrible that I can't like follow through as well. But honestly, as much as I want to say, please come volunteer with us. Like, I just don't have the capacity to make that happen just yet. So the best way that people, was that? Come shop with you? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The best, like that, the best way that people can help is really just spreading the word and letting like 
you know, letting your family and friends know that we exist, that like, Hey, look at this cool organization. They sell reusable products. And then the money goes towards, you know, a really good cause. So just sharing and letting other people know that we exist. Um, and you can support us by purchasing, you can support us by donating, and you can also support us by actually donating your cloth diapers. So um, we accept donations of used cloth diapers, sanitize them, and then get those back out to the community too. So there's multiple ways that you can help financially, otherwise, um, but really bare bones, just telling folks that we exist is like rock solid in my book. And really for anybody listening that, that diaper banks exist across mm-hmm. the country from Jake's to Milwaukee to PDX, like um, a lot of times it can be quite hard to find one in my community. A lot of people don't know about. And so mm-hmm. just kind of once you find out about it, and that's why during the challenge, I challenged everybody on day three to find out what there is to see, because a lot of people would discover things they didn't know uh, because it's a lot of work to manage a nonprofit, let alone market yeah, <laughs> nonprofit, right? Um, it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of us don't come with that. Uh, so you are the Salem Cloth Project. You're on Facebook. You're on Instagram. Mm-hmm. SalemClothProject.org. You're officially a nonprofit with a board mm-hmm. of directors. Mm-hmm. Fancy. All right. Well, thank you, Kaylee, for taking the time to talk to me today. Even re-listening to that episode with Kaylee, I have so many thoughts going through my brain. It. <laughs> I just need to sit down one day and make like some really awesome infographics. I love making infographics. Anyways, that's besides the point. I'm going to release this episode today. It shows 74, August 9th, 2021 with Kaylee. This was recorded earlier in May. And if you're looking for more information about cloth diaper banks and previous interviews you can go to www.clothdiaperpodcast.com you can also send me an email and i'd love to chat with you i've been consulting and picking brains and connecting different people around the world with other people who might be able to help or might be able to support them i mean uh it's a big world out there but it's not that scary um i have a calendarly link in my email now too so i can be easily scheduled until next time bye